How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Hope you guys had a phenomenal weekend. We did as well. And looking forward to the pitching market, obviously things are not exactly going the way we thought it would for the Yankees after they signed Marcus Stroman. We thought there might be another big deal or two. There's one, a couple of executives. I know if you wrote, uh, if you read Mark Feinstein's article from MLB.com, a couple of executives think that Cashman still has one move left up, left up his sleeve. Some have pointed to Cody Bellinger. I don't know why we need to tell them. That makes no sense for us right now. But I think if, if Cashman's sitting there looking at Cody Bellinger, looking at Blake Snell, I think he probably goes in the direction of pitching if he has to give out one big contract. However, Blake Snell is asking for astronomical demands. This this is not even in the realm of possibility for the Yankees, in my opinion. If Cashman did this, I'd be calling for his head because this is like the Yankees offered him, and for what it's worth, Cashman isn't doing this because we know the Yankees offered him a six-year, $150 million deal. Well, he wants a lot more than that. He wants nine years, $270 million. Blake, my man. I know you're coming off your best season, but you're 31 years old now. You're going to regress. Your your seasons have been like 125 innings pitch, 125 innings pitch, and then a, and then a big 180 pitch uh, inning performance this past season. But historically, that has not been sustainable. He doesn't really get past the fifth inning. You know, obviously NL Cy Young Award winner this past season was tremendous. But buying at the high, it's like it's like if you're in the stock market and you're buying a stock at the highest it's been ever. It's maximum value, maximum capacity. You know it's probably going to go down, especially if the if the headwinds are not favoring that specific stock. In Blake Snell's case, age is going to catch up at some point, especially on a nine-year deal. You want to be paying him $25, 30000000 million per season when he's 40 years old? Miss me with that. I think the Yankees are smart enough to know they already have enough awful contracts until the Ryan. What are you feeling about this? How are you doing today, my friend? And is Blake Snell absolutely out of his mind for this request? Yeah, so to quote Stephen A. Smith here, Blake Snell, you got to stay off the weed. Like, oh my God, $270 million? The third highest paid contract of all time for a pitcher? Absolutely not. Look, I think Blake Snell is a very good pitcher. And I also believe that Blake Snell is going to be a better pitcher than he was in years past because the adjustments he made were legitimate. Like, he, he threw more breaking balls. He threw more off-speed pitches um, in, instead of his fastball, and it made him better. Uh, I, I think the walks are an intentional thing. I think he walks guys intentionally to avoid damage contact. Zips, believe, will put up a 3-3-7 ERA this year across 29 starts. That would be elite. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Like, as you mentioned... The track record is not great, number one. And number two, and this is going to be some very nerdy shit, I understand. Like, I apologize to viewers who don't like stats and all that stuff. But if you're listening to a podcast that I'm on, I don't know why you're doing it if you hate stats. Um, but with that being said, Blake Snell, when you rely on non-fastball pitches, you do suscept yourself to, you're susceptible to a lot of uh, command issues. Now, I did just mention that I think the walks are intentional. But when you're talking about locating a changeup or locating a curveball or, or slider, those come with more variance in locating a fastball. And Blake Snell does not have a very good fastball. And typically, non-fastball pitchers, are they're just subject to more variance year to year, right? Like, they just, the, the feel of their pitches can vary. Um, you know, you kind of think of, one of the biggest tropes in baseball is the feel of your changeup. That's always kind of come and go, you know, touch and feel, all that kind of stuff. It's it's really hard to find consistent feel of your changeup. And look, I think Blake Snell is a great one, but I think hitters are going to start realizing over certain stretches, hey, like, your stuff is great, but I can I know you're not going to a fastball here. I know you're throwing a pitch out of zone, and maybe some guys recognize that. He does have some regression that's probably baked into his next season numbers, but you know, this all ties back to the idea of is he a $30 million pitcher? 
Yes, but not over nine years, right? Like definitely not over nine years, maybe more over five years or maybe over six years, but definitely not over nine years. He's entering his age 31 season. He's going to turn 32 next year. You're going to sign this guy till he's 40. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to be pitching when he's 37 or 38. So why would I ever sign this guy and tie this guy to this contract? And more importantly, from the Yankees perspective, why would they pay him this money knowing that? And look, I'm not saying the Yankees are cheap, but what I am saying is if they gave Blake Snell this money, you can kiss Juan Soto goodbye. And I'll tell you one thing. Juan Soto, if you talk about your chances of bringing him back right now, they're really good. If you look at what Juan Soto wants, it's an East Coast team. He likes playing in New York. Let's be real here. Dominican superstar of the Bronx, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of marketability. Juan Soto probably wants to be here. And Scott Boras probably wants Juan Soto here. I mean, look, we talked about this with like marketability with Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And obviously it didn't swing in our favor. But one of the biggest things we talked about was, you know, being the secondary star in New York. Would you like to be the best player on the Mets, but not be better than Aaron Judge? Or would you like to just play with Aaron Judge, right? Like you could just play on the better team, right? You could just get as much money, whatever it may be. I think the priority for the Yankees right now in terms of long-term financial commitments has to be Juan Soto. That's the only guy they need to worry about. Any money that would preclude them from making a higher offer for Juan Soto should not be spent. I know that that you can say, well, that doesn't make you better in 2023 and you're looking into the future. Well, guess what? In baseball, you can't guarantee World Series titles. This isn't the NFL where, or you know, the NBA where if you have a superstar caliber player at the right position, you're almost guaranteed to get a deep playoff run. The Yankees could have the greatest team of all time. They could win 111 games. They get knocked down in the first round. Ask the Dodgers. That happens to them like two times every, you know, every four years, the Dodgers get knocked down in the first round to a team that they shouldn't lose to, right? Like last year, swept by the Diamondbacks, and they were clearly better than the Diamondbacks. They won 100 games. They crushed them in the regular season. You can't control those kinds of things. I just don't think Blake Snell signing him long-term like that is sustainable, number one. And number two, I don't think anybody's offering anything close to that. Look, I understand, again, like the Yankees, you want to get more rotation help. And Blake Snell would make this rotation the best rotation in baseball, I think. But it, it, the cost, the opportunity cost, you have to talk about it every time. You can't just ignore what you stop yourself from doing if you sign a guy like this to a long-term deal. Like, you just can't ignore those details. And Alex, I think you agree, like, it's just not worth it at all. Like, it's not close to worth it at all. No, it, it can't be, right? And, and the Yankees know this, though. This is not something that we have to tell them. They know that they're looking at Blake Snell. They know they see the red flags. We can see the red flags. They only offered him $150 million. I think we can, we can all agree here that they're probably not going in this direction. With that being said... Where does Blake Snell land? You know what I mean? Like some people think he'll land, you know, with the Giants. They're obviously always like involved, but never the, the winning team in these equations. But, you know, looking at Snell's market right now, where do we see him ending up? Does his price tag come down significantly? I don't think the Yankees are willing to give him a contract unless it's the one that they offered originally. Six years, $150 million. I don't think that they have any reason to keep going beyond that, right? Because alternatively, you wait until next year, you take that $25 million, and you say, you know what? For a couple extra mil, we could pay Corbin Burns long term. You know what I mean? We can give Corbin or Zach Wheeler, who's a tremendous playoff pitcher you've noted many times in the past. So... And then not to mention Juan Soto's extension and the money you're going to need for that. So overspending now on Blake Snell is a mistake. 
Um, I think there's a lot better talent, younger, more you know, durable guys who have pitched a lot of innings and showcase that consistency that the giant, the Yankees can go for in the future. Um, I just don't see it with Blake Snell right now. Now, we have heard other rumors. Wandy Peralta, obviously the Mets are interested in him as well. Um, Keenan Middleton's another guy. I know you're a big, a big Keenan Middleton fan. Um, we know Hector Neris is off the board now, so he's no longer available. For the Yankees in terms of pitching right now, it's really we're looking more so towards the bullpen market. Why is I know you're a Keenan Middleton guy. Why is he someone that you want the Yankees to bring back? Yeah, so the big thing for me is that Keenan Middleton gets a lot of swings and misses, and he gets a lot of ground balls. He had a 56.6% ground ball rate. That is within a percentage point of Wani Peralta, but he had the 10th, I think the 10th best or the 9th best swinging strike rate in baseball, ranks in the 96th percentile in whiff rate, is two years younger than Peralta. Now, there are some injury concerns. He's consistently dealt with shoulder problems. He dealt with them last year, and that's a concern. That's enough of a concern to say that if the Yankees went the route of Wani Peralta instead, it would be completely justifiable. I don't think the Yankees have a wrong choice here, as long as they stick within the group of like Phil Maton, Wani Peralta, and Keenan Middleton. All three of those options, I think, make your bullpen better. Uh, but again, I just I think the upside with Middleton is great because I think the high swing and miss numbers, what the Yankees were able to get out of him when they bettered his pitch usage, they had him use more sliders against right-handed batters. I think it just made him a better pitcher. And ultimately, I don't think he's going to cost that much. So I like his profile a ton. I think he'll be an excellent contributor for any bullpen. I think he'll be one of the better value signings of the offseason. And I trust the Yankees to get more out of relievers. I know that you mentioned, you know, kind of at the top of the episode, you know, we didn't we didn't know what to expect. And kind of this has been a little bit of a weird market because once guys like Josh Hader signed, you kind of expected the reliever market to explode and guys go left and right. And it's almost February, right? Like it's almost February and guys haven't signed. Like we, the Yankees don't know who their final bullpen addition is going to be. There are, are multiple Scott Boris clients who are still available. We're, we're just talking about Blake Snell, but Monty's still out there. Bellinger's still out there. Chapman's still out there. And while I don't expect the Yankees to even contact any of those players, to be honest with you, um, you know, it's a weird market, right? Like this has become a weird market. I, I think the idea was that the Yankees would go all in and that would look like big spending in free agency. Well, no, it looked like the Juan Soto deal, which I understand isn't spending in free agency, but is still adding $33 million to their luxury tax and making a lot of trades because I think they kind of snuffed out the weirdness of this market. If you look at teams that kind of jumped the gun early or, you know, got out and ahead of this market, the Dodgers pulling in Yamamoto before all the starters signed, um, you know, even the Kansas City Royals signing Lugo and Waka to pretty short-term deals and some pretty good value deals. They were able to get above average starters for like $50 million a year on short-term deals. They did, and the Yankees getting Juan Soto, like, they did extremely well in this market. Uh, even Alex Verdugo, looking back at it, like, look, I don't think Verdugo's a great player. I think he's a solid player, and I have my own concerns about him on and off the field, but the Yankees didn't pay much to get him. Like, they, they didn't trade much to get a guy that is going to help them a lot next, next year. You know, Trent Grisham, I, I know you wrote an article about him, I think, yesterday, talking about, you know, how his role, what his role could be on this team. You know, the Yankees got a guy who basically gives them Kevin Kiermaier value, and it was a throw-in, and he's going to be $5 million towards a luxury tax. You know, the Yankees were very aggressive early in this market. They were able to jump on Stroman's market. And honestly, I think Stroman's just interest in playing for the Yankees who were playing for a team like the Angels. Um, and, and they've done well in this market. They've been able to get surplus value and improve their team without doing anything that makes you go, I don't know about this, you know? Like, even, look, I get it. They traded a lot for Juan Soto, but... It's the opportunity to make Juan Soto stay on your team for the rest of his career. I would trade anything for that. Honestly, I would have traded the, like, I, I'm going to be, I would have traded the entire double A team for that. And I love their, our prospects. Like, I, I do the Baby Bombers podcast. Like, I do all that stuff. 
I, I would have traded the entire double-A team for that. Uh, but yeah, like where it ties back to the free agent market, it's going to be like a, a short-term, you know, low, low-cost, inexpensive reliever deal. I think Andy Martino even mentioned the Yankees are shopping towards that lower market of relievers. They're not going to give, you know, 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year to a reliever. They weren't signing Josh Hader. This is kind of just the way the Yankees operate with their bullpen. And I, I, I think it's the right way to operate because, I mean, come on. I, they, they just find relievers out of nowhere. Like Ian Hamilton, literally off the streets. Like I say it all the time. He was picked up off the, like he, they found him out of bodega. He was chilling there, ordering a bacon, egg and cheese in the morning. And they were like, yo, dude, you want to play with the Yankees? And like, sure. And he turned in, you know, excellent innings for the team and he'll have a bigger role next year. So in, in conclusion, you know, the Yankees market's weird right now. Look, Keenan Middleton would be a great addition. Love Peralta, would love Maton, even would be interested in Ryan Brazier. But at this point, as long as the Yankees walk away with somebody, that's all I really care about. And it's not going to be an expensive deal, and that's fine. Yeah, I 100% agree. When it comes to the Yankees' bullpen, they do not need to overspend, which is why I'm happy they didn't go out and overspend for Hector Neris, who has incentives that could reach up to $23 million over two years. It's not worth it. You know what I mean? It's just simply not worth it. The regression coming off the best season of their careers, Snell, Bellinger, I mean, Bellinger, obviously, best season over like four or five years, um, you know, minus his MVP campaign. But, you know, I just don't like buying at the high of someone's value. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of where I where I draw the line for some of these free agents because you're getting them coming off their best season, not perf- not going into their best season. And you always have to anticipate a regression to the average when you're coming off your best season. So the Yankees are doing the smart thing and saying to themselves, we're not paying for what they did last year. We're trying to pay them for what they're going to do next year. And projecting that, that model, um, suggests that they're not worth Like That's the thing, though, Ryan. You know, when you look at guys like Hector Neris, like Blake Snell, um, like Bellinger, they're trying to get paid for what they did last year, not for what they're going to do next year. And the Yankees see that. They're like, we're, we want to pay you what we think you're worth in the future, not what you performed and did last year for somebody else. Blake Snell is trying to get paid for what he did in 2023, not 2024. And I think that's where the Yankees are having problems, finding that middle ground. And I think that's the right way to go about it, personally. Spending just to spend is not a good idea. And I think most people in the podcast, uh, YouTube comments, and you know the guys that are you know commenting on social media certainly agree with that sentiment. We still think the Yankees need to make additions, but they need to do it with with you know knowledge and logic behind it, not just making blatant moves because they have the money or they should or because they're pressured into doing it from the fan base. I think this caution that we're seeing right now is actually ideal. And like you said, we find nothing and turn it into something in the bullpen. We don't need to overspend there. Look at Tommy Canely last year. You know, he had his ups and downs. We spent a good chunk of change on him, but he wasn't like a major difference maker. Hopefully he can perform even better this upcoming season. But we got more value from Clay Holmes and Ian Hamilton than, than, than Tommy Canely. We paid Tommy Canely like four times as much as those guys combined. So it's like, you know what I mean? The Yankees managed to find a lot of value in other places. And like you said about Juan Soto, um, listen, guys, like when it comes to acquire the Yankees didn't lose playoff games because they couldn't uh, keep other teams, you know, because they couldn't pitch well. They lost games because they couldn't score enough runs. And now you look at what the Yankees have, Aaron Judge and Juan Soto, they're an offense on their own, let alone some of the really great pieces the Yankees have in, in addition to them. So the Yankees were not losing postseason games because they could not pitch. It was because they could not hit. And that's where I see the Yankees taking a big step um, in a much better direction because at the end of the day, that's where we're going to see them make a difference in the postseason. And, you know, for what it's worth, at 25 years old, Soto already has, what, 
29 games of postseason experience. I mean, you know, what more could you ask for? During his World Series run, 17 games in 2019 with Washington, he hit 277 with a 373 OBP, 554 slug, and had five homers and 14 RBIs. I mean, he could he could have even been better. But Judge, I think this helps Judge too. Why? Because Judge feels like he has to carry the whole load when he's in the postseason. Now he doesn't have to do that. Now he knows that dude right behind me, he's won a damn championship. That dude right behind me is one of the best hitters in the game. It doesn't all ride on my shoulders now. If I work a walk, I can trust that Juan Soto is going to drive me in or he's going to get on base too. There's a lot more balance and confidence in this equation now. The Yankees can outscore teams. You know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. I still think adding another big pitcher at the deadline over the summer is in our best interest because I do think we're going to have some issues and inconsistencies. But don't but don't think for a second this team didn't get significantly better because we're going to outscore. We're going to win games 7-6, to 8-7 to seven this year, and you're going to be like, a win's a damn win, and we can just outscore opponents. And you're going to be like, well, okay, if we add that next pitcher, that ne- that next like that top gun that's healthy at the deadline, it's going to take our team to another level because we're beating teams eight to seven, eight to you know nine to eight. Like it's going to be like, wow, like we can score the runs. We just need that extra pitcher to hold it down. Um, and I think that's kind of where I I kind of and best case scenario, our pitchers dominate, all bounce back, look great, and we don't need to add anyone, or we have to, or we don't, we're not pressured into it. And we kind of go from there, but, you know, we know the Yankees, we know they're going to have needs and the injuries and stuff like that, so we have to anticipate they're probably going to have to make a move. But guys, always happy your perspectives below. I mean, Blake Snell's contract demands are outlandish, in my opinion, in your opinion as well. Unless that comes down significantly, we're not even going to listen to those offers. We're not even going to look at them. We'll, We'll tell you guys, we'll report the news. But he's out of his freaking mind, and as you said, lay off the freaking weed because that's crazy. I don't even think weed would do that to you, to be honest with you. You kind of need some of that Oxycontin from a couple years back to get that type of number and, and mustard to the to the masses. But, you know, I guess pitching is in, in demand right now. I guess people really – people are looking for that type of quality – but the Yankees aren't biting because it's just too much, in my opinion, in your opinion. So always happy to hear your perspectives down below in the YouTube comment section. Make sure to like and subscribe, as always. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.